Hello again, NACA. Thank you for joining us again on the NACA podcast. I'm Doug Church, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at the NACA National Office Public Affairs Department here in Washington, D.C. Today we want to talk about runway safety, and we want to talk to our leading representative, our uh, national representative. Her name is Bridget. Bridget, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Doug, for having me. I appreciate it. First question right out of the box. You have one of the most beautiful names in all of the NACA family. Can you please tell us how to pronounce your last name? Yeah, Doug. It's Bridget Singh Ratanakul. Um, or you could just say Singh or formerly known as G. It's fine as, as well. G. But yes, last name Singh Ratanakul. Singh Ratanakul. <laughs> it's actually Thai. Yeah, it's actually Thai. I obviously married into it. So. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, well, let's talk about first things first. You, uh, your, your baby girl, Cecilia, how is she doing? She turns one in September. Is that right? Yeah, she does. Um, she's doing great. She's evolving every day. Um, getting taller by the minute, I feel like, but she's crawling. She's starting to, um, she walks with assistance and more so now turning into a little run. So I'm sure we will have our hands full even more so within the next couple of months. Um, but it's been a fun ride. It's been a lot of fun. So you work at DFW Tower. Your wife also works. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me the biggest challenges to, to being a working mom. Uh, so probably, I would say the biggest challenge would be by far time management. Um, you always strive to do the 100, be 110% and um, allocating what is your priority at the time can be challenging. Um as you had mentioned, uh, my wife does work. We own a dental practice here in uh, the Grapevine area, which is just outside of DFW Airport, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but so managing owning a business, um, being the NACA National Runway Safety Representative, um, the Runway Status Representative, I also help with IFACA as well. And having a 10-month-old can sometimes be challenging. Um, we have a glorious nanny who I'm very grateful for. She definitely treats our daughter like she is her granddaughter, so um, mm-hmm. which is very nice. But by all means, it would definitely be time management and allocating what is your first priority for the day. Sure. Um, all of those things are, are very challenging at times, I know, but it's good that you, you have some good uh, assistance as well to help out. Yes, I have a good team. It takes a team for sure. Yeah. So how long have you been working at DFW? I've been at DFW for probably seven years now. Um, I've been in the agency uh, since 07. I started off in San Antonio and eventually made my way up to Dallas. Um, It's a good facility by all means. Sure. Are are you originally from Texas? No. Actually, I'm originally from northwestern Indiana. I kind of have to laugh at... um, the town that I'm from is so small that we didn't even have a, like, super Walmart until after I left for college. Let's kind of go back a little bit further. How did you get involved in air traffic control? Uh, I actually started flying when I was 16. Wow. So, yeah, my very first landing was a snowpack runway. And uh, needless to say, I fell in love with aviation that day. I'm, I'm very certain it was the adrenaline rush that I felt that day. <laughs> um, but... I was actually um, did early decision with college, and I knew fall of my senior year that I was accepted and going to Embry-Riddle in Daytona. Okay, and so you so you you've had a pilot's license since you were sixteen. 
I started flying when I was 16, and then I I eventually obtained my commercial multi and my instrument ratings when I was in, at Embry-Riddle. Okay. Where, where was that snow-covered uh, runway at that you landed on? <laughs> it was in northwestern Indiana. Oh, okay, it was very, near your home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very small runway, um, very small town. We have a couple of lights, traffic lights, but very few, <laughs> so... And you've been on the safety committee since 2016. Is that also when you became runway safety representative, or had you been doing that before you formally joined the the safety committee? So I've been involved in some form of safety or fashion pretty much since I got into the agency. Um, Safety has always been a passion of mine. Um, I officially joined the National Safety Committee when I became the National Runway Safety Representative as um, a member of that committee. So that was back in 2016. Um, what have been the, the main duties of being the runway safety representative? What are, what are, the, what are your main uh, concerns? My main duties as being the runway safety representative is honestly, first of, well, first and foremost, our priority has to be safety, right? Uh-huh. Um, as a national runway safety representative, I need to work as a team with my counterpart within the agency to make sure that we're successful. Um, and in stating that, success is our only option when it comes to runway safety. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing I don't think a lot of people realize is we have nearly 52 million takeoff and landings in the NAS every year. And right around there, are, and with the 52 million takeoff and landings in the NAS, we have roughly 1,800 runway incursions every year as well. Uh-huh. About half of those runway incursions just involve one aircraft or one vehicle. But that also means that the other aircraft or the other half and does involve another aircraft or vehicle. So a key point in saying that is we definitely have over a 99% success rate within the NAS, but we have to continue to strive to be 100%, 100% of the time mm-hmm. and um, make sure that the risk is the lowest possible risk that we can have within the NAS. So as the National Runway Safety Representative, I work towards making sure that those roughly 52 million takeoff and landings that we have in the NAS are successful. Absolutely. What's the best part of, of, of your role as the representative? What's the, the most rewarding part of it? The most rewarding part would probably be when we can see change. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In 2017, wrong surface became a top, a continue, well, a top five within the NAS. Yes. Wrong surface is a, a continuous top five within the NAS. Um, and we have been seeing roughly one wrong surface event a day, um, whether it's a wrong surface departure or a wrong surface arrival within the NAS. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to collaboratively work together and develop different mitigations to help drive those numbers down. Um, Now, with that, our numbers are still currently about the same. We're still getting about roughly one wrong surface arrival or departure about a day. Um, I think some of that has to do off of, is based off of reporting and a heightened sense of awareness within the field. Um, The other part of that is, we've been able to work together to adapt an enhancement to ASDX. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that enhancement actually alerts if an aircraft is aligned with a taxiway. So 
Um, that alarming parameter uh, is about 3,000 feet or 20 seconds, whichever is greater from that, I guess you'd say, quote-unquote, like taxiway threshold. Okay. Um, through that work group, that um, is a collaborative work group, we've been able to turn on 10 sites so far, 10 ASDI sites, and we've had numerous um, ASDX taxiway arrival prediction or ATAP, you can refer to it as, as saves within uh-huh. the NAS. So seeing those saves and knowing that our national work group has been able to contribute to help um, that facility and save that actual event from be- actually being much closer than what it was, yeah, um, it's very rewarding. And key, correct me if I'm wrong, key site testing on ATAP began in Seattle, is that right, in January 2018? Yeah, that was the, key, that was the original key site. We are live currently at 10 sites. Uh, we're at Atlanta, Bradley, Charlotte, DFW, Detroit, Intercontinental, um, Orlando, Philly, and St. Louis as well. And I'd hope to turn on another ten by the end of the year. Um, hope, fingers crossed. We just we need to keep working towards that direction. Sure. Were you set back at all by uh, by the shutdown in, in January, or have has the work group been able to kind of get back up to speed? Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is prior to a shutdown, the program itself starts slowing down, right? So then you have the shutdown, and then afterwards, um, there's a prioritization of what is most important and what needs to be um, basically worked on first, right? So with that being said, uh, ATAP, the SASDX Taxi Arrival Prediction, was selected as one of those priority um programs to continue to work forward so we picked up pretty quickly after the shutdown but it definitely affected us we should be we're probably about 10 sites behind okay um some of this also is affected by because it's it's not only us doing the let me step back a little bit there's a lot of work behind the scenes so prior to turning on a facility with your atap We do a lot of work with AJW-148, and AJW-148 is analyzing the data and making sure that each specific taxiway is uh, adapted so that we don't get any nuisance or false alerts. Okay. So that takes us months to do so. Hmm. Um, If you have any short staffing in AJW-148 or if you have any, um, and we've had some, some issues in the past, um, that will affect us as well because we need to get that optimization completed. And then we eventually start evolving the facility, and um, with that process, there has to be controller training. There has to be a local SRM panel conducted prior to actually activating lo- the system. And we have had some um, holdbacks there, uh, primarily with staffing in particular. So um, we're pushing through, but I definitely saw an effect from the shutdown um, on this um, enhancement for ASDA in particular. Okay. Um, besides ATAP, uh, what are some of the other uh, really important initiatives that, that you've been a part of um, over the last couple of years that you want the members to know about and, and different projects that are out there that, that you've been uh, representing NACA on? Um, so this week I was in D.C. and I was uh, working – with my counterpart, James Fee, and we are the co-leads for the surface safety group. Um, this group is really designed to identify contributing factors 
analyze risk and develop safety mitigations to maintain really the safest levels on the surface for surface operations that is okay and so within that group in other words what do we do the group itself takes a deeper dive into category a b c runway incursions within the system this is a fairly new group when i originally took this took over this role um, in 2016 this group only analyzed um, category a and b runway incursions so in other words, as an agency, they were making recommendations to change the NAS based off of only Category A and B events. The, as I mentioned before, we have nearly 52 million takeoff and landings in the, in the NAS every year, 1,800 runway incursions. Uh-huh. We have roughly anywhere between 10, 15, give or take a few, um, A's and B's in the NAS. So they were using those significant events to drive change. And that's something that really bugged me Hmm. Um, because you're not, when you only look at a very small percentage of the mass amount of operations that we have in the NAS, you're just making, um, you're really just being reactionary. Sure. You're not proactive at all. So um, thankfully, James P. and myself came into these roles at the same time, and we both identified that as an issue. So we've been able to adapt that group into what is now the surface safety group, um, which is something I'm pretty proud of. Absolutely. It, yeah. Like I said, it's fairly new, um, but we are starting to actually get more forward momentum. Excellent. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, that's a great update. Let me ask you, too, about uh, these pilot uh, forums that are, are go on out in the field. Recently, we wrote about... Uh, uh, you, you appeared in Santa Rosa, California, uh, at the airport there to participate in a pilot controller forum. Um, while you were there, the pilot community was provided with national and local wrong surface data. They were given the opportunity to assist in developing potential mitigations regarding wrong surface events, the things you've just been talking about. Uh, what was that forum like for you to be a part of, and, and is that sort of a, a, a microcosm of a lot of the different initiatives going around the country where you're, you're speaking directly to the pilots? The Sonoma STS um, Pilot Control Forum was very successful. We had well over 100 participants. Um, that's not necessarily what I see around the NAS. So currently, Runway Safety has a business objective to where they picked nine airports, um, three per service area. And we said, hey, we have a specific wrong surface issue. Um, I think we could do uh, create impact within the NAS if we go there and we have these wrong surface um, special focus RSATs and include a pilot controller forum. Mm. So from everything that I've participated in with all of these forums, whether it's specifically referenced these wrong surface special focus RSATs or if it's just a pilot controller forum, the more that you have the ability to get a controller and a pilot in the room to talk about any differences or um, really just talk about safety in general, the better off you are. Mm -hmm. So we currently, um, the agency currently has a requirement to do one um, runway safety action team meeting per year. My recommendation and my challenge to um, our facilities would be don't, please don't just do one runway safety action team meeting. I know that's the minimum requirement, but we're much greater than that. Please do at least 
two, which would be a biannual runway safety action team meeting, or do them quarterly. And my primary reason for making that suggestion is the more times that you get people together in a room where they can communicate, whether it's based off of procedures, honestly, it could be technology discussions. Um, construction is always something that will impact us, especially on surface operations. Uh-huh. The better we are. So it's really opening those lines of communication. Okay. So have as many pilot controller forums as you possibly can, because that's when you're actually getting face-to-face with your, um, your customer base or with the pilots and talking about what really matters. Let me ask you next about runway status lights. That's something that, uh, that, that I certainly see um, quite a bit as far as updates that we put out through the safety and tech department and have gotten mm-hmm. uh, some updates out. But for, for members who are curious to know where things stand with RWSL, what is, the, is there some latest news that you can report? What I'm actually seeing is some people don't even know what RWSL or runway status lights are. Um, so runway status lights, in particular, it's a system that integrates with our safety logic, but it's a fully automatic advisory system to the to the pilots. So in other words, you have a direct line of sight light, whether it's a runway edge light or a takeoff hold light. The takeoff hold lights are on the center line of the runways and the runway entrance lights are on the edges. Um, but those lights basically turn off and on um, dependent on if there's active movement on the runway uh-huh. or if there's an aircraft encroaching for to land on it or crossing the runway so on and so forth so um, the best part about that system is that it's fully automatic and it's an advisory system where there's no input from the controller um that the runway state the runway status program office is going into sustainment so we actually have 20 airports, which are some of the busiest airports in the country that have runway status flights. Um, but with that, it is also going into sustainment. And by sus- what does that mean yes. for yeah. us? Mm-hmm. So what that means for us is at this point in time, we don't necessarily have additional funding coming into the agency where we would be putting out new airports. Okay. okay? I challenge that because there are ways that I believe um, we can adapt and also use AIP funding to help provide for runway status lights. And so in other words, help the airports get them. With the way the AIP funding is currently conducted, that's not a potential, um, but I'm working very diligently with my counterpart in runway safety um, and some, uh, several others to try to change that. Um, another element we had is Congress actually gave runway status, um, the RWSL or runway status flights, uh, PMO, a substantial amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. So in working with that, I've been working with Charlotte, and we will be adding on an additional runway there, which is nice. Um, That was not originally planned. Um, We did need to work through that a little bit um, collaboratively to get where we are today. But as of last week, we are going to... Uh, work towards getting 18 left on it at Charlotte, which is a big one for us. Okay, great. That's good news. Well, let me conclude by uh, by asking you uh, if there's anything you wanted to add that I didn't cover that you, uh, that you felt was important for, for, for the members to know. What I would say to the membership um, with regards to runway safety and just safety in general, 
uh, would really be to continue to be the best that you currently are. Um, strive to always be 100%, 100% of the time. Um, continue to fight complacency. You know, use proper phraseology. And honestly, remember, every day is a training day. Mm-hmm. You can always learn something. Whether you're teaching somebody else that's working next to you or you're working with a, a trainee or you yourself are digesting something that's new. And we can always better ourselves, which in turn will continue to better the NAS. Outstanding advice. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time today for, for joining us with the NACA podcast. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate the time. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.